Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk shoes. Recorded live.
Wow. 
got everything running and functioning hot. Let me see if we get this thing going right. Uh-huh. All right, all right. Let me see if we get this thing going right. Uh-huh. Oh. Oh. I got to get the... Hold up, I don't got the link. I don't got the link. Where's my link at? My link. There we go. There we go. But, uh... Yeah, family, we come to get it in, man. We got a couple of different topics that's going to head off. Um, see what the family I got out there. Get the family out there already. You know, get in on there. Uh, all right, all right. The line is open now. Black power, black power, black power. I see y'all out there. What's going on out there tonight? Don't you want the call? Yeah, black power, beautiful. Hold here, brother, boy. A black power, beautiful all day. What it do tonight, family? Man. Nothing, man. It's Tuesday night. Oh, man. Always good I've... to hear you. We can hear you on the line, man. What's going on down there with the family, man? How y'all done came back? Y'all done bounced back all right after the hurricane, man? Anything good? Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Everything bounced back good. All right, all right. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. That's what it I was gonna, I was gonna say you you speaking on that um you know there's supposed to be a lot of uh like visibility of FEMA and stuff because people you know people roofs and stuff flew off and shingles and stuff like that but I really don't see nothing um ain't none of that happen <laughs> you know you said you ain't getting no FEMA y'all ain't getting no FEMA help. Yeah, they, you know how they declare a state of emergency. It might be. I need to do some research on it. It might be levels to it and whatnot. But um, you know, people. Uh, there's some people who got like the rules peeled off. Um, you know, like you could just you could see you could see under the under the ply where the ply where would have been um, for the shingles to be on it. You know what I'm saying? There's people out. There's still people with damage and things like that. But um. It take a it seem to be taking a minute for people to have certain damage assessed and so and so forth. But um, you know, last year's uh, storm of the century, I mean, storm storm of a thousand years, it kind of came real quick. You know, this this time the hurricane, for it to have been such a big thing, is a minimal response after the fact. The usual. Yeah, my mom just got her lights on a couple uh, two days ago. Yeah. <laughs> she went a month without lights. You know what I'm saying? Pretty much. The usual suspect. Yeah. Now that's now you saying that? I see that's the reason for generators for solar energy, man. Yeah. Uh, she ended up going. She ended up getting a um getting a generator. Well, uh, she's shopping for a solar, a solar, um, a solar, solar portable solar panel that she could just plug right into her her power grid too. You know what I mean? And then you don't even gotta you ain't even gotta mess with the light company no more if you do that. You got to have you some batteries to store up some of that shit. You be ready to roll. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's more. It seems to be more and more practical to, to um. To at least have something you can fold out, you know, set up <laughs> to to get you some electricity going if you need to. Just in case. Mhm. 
Because one thing I'm going to say this, um, two things. Uh, gasoline, you can't rely on gasoline to be available when you need it if you're trying to generate energy, right? That's one. And then two, um, when when this, let's just say natural disasters or a storm, for example, um, and the power grid is fucked up and everything's shut down, you can't use an ATM or nothing. So it's only going to be what's on hand that you that you're going to be able to um to uh to use. And so with that, it depends on how how far from where you live um are there, is there actually a power grid up and running? You know what I'm saying? You could drive you could drive 40 miles out and still not find um a place with electricity like with the hurricane Matthew. You know, there's no. You could drive for an hour and find no place that got um, electricity. Any gas station, bank, all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's um, I think that's something people don't don't really consider. Is like how far would you have to drive? Meaning you already gotta have gas in the car or in storage to to put in the car to venture out in order to find um. Let's say money. <laughs> Just say money off the rip. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy. Because, um, you know, you can't, there's no other way. So cash, um, <coughs> cash is the only, cash is the only thing you can use cash in a disaster. King. Cash on debt. Cash is king in a crisis. Thing. Yeah. But it cash is, cash is like gold in a crisis. You know what I'm saying? Gotta have a cold hard cash. Yeah, you ain't gonna use you ain't gonna be able to use no EBT. <laughs> you gotta be using no debit. You gotta have cash. Like the all the gas stations, for example, all had they was all cash only. Mm-hmm. Only cash. You can't and you can have all the money you want in the world in your bank account, but if you ain't got nothing in your pocket, you ain't getting no gas. Mm-hmm. And you can't you can't most people ain't gonna borrow you for fuel. In an emergency situation, that's just a you know that's just a given. That's like that's like you being that's like you have a you have a limited amount of food and you got to barter your food away for something that you can't eat. And you know it's not gonna work. Shoebox, mattress, stuff on plastic. Hmm. I live on a box. Yeah, but I'm I'm good, family. I'm glad to be on the show tonight. All right. Um, I'm gonna look up. I got a story I want to look up about Germany. I'm not sure. I'm trying to verify it, so I'll probably come up. Come back with that. <laughs> yeah, having to do with um, you know, your what's funny about this election is there's a lot of um, a lot of things going on on an international scale, and the election really is just blocking uh, anything that's really going on on a larger scale than just the United States. So, only thing the election want us to focus on international is Russia. The big bad boogeyman is over Donald Trump. Yep. 
upset. The only thing they want is to focus on. Black Power, Sister Camille, that's your idea? Black Power, BB48, um, Brother Cause, I'm so glad to hear you and your family um, are maintaining. And when you were speaking on this, it really struck a chord because I don't recall any media focus since it has happened the way you would see in the past, at least the first few days. So you're absolutely right. I find that very peculiar, considering the way you have described the conditions that you and your family and others are enduring there. Mm-hmm. Black politics, man. Crazy. Black power to you. I'm so glad you spoke on it because I didn't even know the the extent because, again, you're not hearing anything about this. Yeah, man. I wish I had done like a a, a kind of like if I had had did some pictures of uh, the the during and then after, it would be like, I mean, it's still fucked up as far as people's... um, the the environment the, the environment in general like you drive by they're just starting to clear up certain things like uh, trees on trees that have smashed the whole person's house or um, things that were on power lines and stuff they just pretty much push it to the side until somebody they they find somebody they're gonna pay to um to remove it but you know I kind of look at me and kind of like ants you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Is this with well, this shit a slow ass damn system, you know? It ain't immediate. Oh, it's it, you know, immediate when it wants to be. And then yeah. they don't yeah. want to be. Yeah, what what exactly. Exactly. You were saying you have to have cash? Cash only. Debit cards ain't working? <laughs> yep. No, no. The, when I say power grid down, I mean, the only way, only way you got any electricity is if you had a generator. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, my mom, she has a, um, she has a trailer, and so she had to get, like, a 6,500-watt um, generator. And so... You figure the gas came out to about for a full tank. Let me see. Probably close to close to fifteen dollars, twelve dollars a day to run the um to run the generator hooked up to the house just to have electricity, running water, you know, the basic. But it took her a minute to decide if she was gonna get one. Once she saw it was like a week, two you know, going on two weeks, she was like, Fuck this shit, I'm out <laughs> I'm about to go get me a generator, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, um, you see in certain parts, certain aspects of of the um, of the area get set up. You see, you know, of course, where black folks live, the country's last place that they're gonna they go and fix. So usually it's the town, you know, wherever the McDonald's is and shit like that. And then afterwards, they'll go out to the woods and shit where black folks live. Start um start restoring power and stuff like that. But, yo, you know what's funny, right? I'm, I think I mentioned this before. 
I, for me, I kind of think they turn the power off before the shit hit. You know what I'm saying? I don't think it's necessarily the storm that shuts down people's electricity. You know, that's that's just pretty much what I saw with this situation. They shut that shit off. But, uh, some new, uh, some news reports, you know, just on the general local news, they was like, look, you live in this county, they're shutting the power off at 6 o'clock. So after the storm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I was like, when the, since when the fuck do they do that shit? You know what I'm saying? Let you know. So um, that's just that. Even though they didn't necessarily list my county in that conversation, I know my motherfucking lights went off before the storm really hit hard. So and that's just that. I'm like, come on, man. I don't put nothing yeah. past them. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say before, I know there's a lot of, you know how there's so much um, to be preoccupied with, like um, cashless system of the future and all this shit. Or well, until that happens, it's what it is, my don't, don't put all your eggs in one basket, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. This is a good question. You know? Don't put your fucking... Yeah, they might be trying to go for a cashless system, but motherfucker, you still got cash in your pocket. So the shit changed. The people to buy into it. The people still bought in the cold, hard cash. Yeah, people. If anything go on, nigga, if I got some money, you decepting this money. Yeah. Yeah. Now, they, they, they got people on the debit. You know what I'm saying? Put your money on quick load, get your paycheck two days early. They got motherfuckers hooked on that shit. You know? Exactly. <laughs> you know, saying that, that could change the game up. You know, if something did occur where power went out, like a significant hit of some type of uh, um, explosion, uh, you know, uh, nuclear, you know, whatever. That is significant because whoever has cash and uh, outside of cash, you would say the resources, gold and metal, you know, silver, that kind of thing, you would could really have power, you know, uh, or, or usurp power. Let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. As long as the people got worth it, as long as the people put work on the money, you got them. Mm-hmm. So the money still got worth to people. You see rappers still flashing $100 bills. You still you see people, you know what I mean, they buying on the table stuff. You see the money, you see the money. So that's still count right now to, to the minds of the masses. The masses of the people still believe money got worth, a lot of work. They believe it's worth exactly what it's saying on the face. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so long as that's going on, you can be able to judge somebody. Ashe. Mm-hmm. That's all it is, is a joke. You give it, you give it, you take me away from nothing, spend it on it for some real shit. It's a joke. They give us paper with numbers printed on it for our labor. It's a joke. Mm-hmm. 
the things, the atrocities that they have committed against our people and continue, uh, the history that they are aware of, that they have uh, of the atrocities that they have committed, that they have kept on purpose hidden, you know, um, and then they have the audacity to look at us and say, why are you in your condition? Uh, we don't owe you anything. This had nothing to do, like, like the brother said in the video, this this had nothing to do with us. We wasn't born then. Are you fucking kidding me? But yet, as the brother mentioned, Obama, which was mentioned on this show, by power to the family members that mentioned it, how he, a year ago, signed in a, 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 a order for the Jewish, the white people, white cracker beasts called Jews, uh, um, to get more reparations. Say, $12 million? Additional $12 billion, some shit a year? Mm-hmm. How the Japanese, well, they concentration camps, they had our people in concentration camps. This what this camp was, the devil bought and refused, built the war and refused to let our people out that had got out of enslavement, and it wasn't even a motherfucking confederate. It was Lincoln's um, people, Union, who did this, 20,000 at least, I'm going to say. You know? And and, and, and and they said we have the audacity, the reparations. We should have had to ask for nothing. But if you were uh, if you were humane, if you had an ounce of humanity in you, but they got something special for us. You know, and that's just the shit that we got to realize, and we got to have something special for them. Black power. Black power. Black power, sir. Woo. That's all truth right there, right? You know, just the, like you said, it, we, we, we tend to look at them with a certain eye that that creates a, 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 a false vision. You know what I'm saying? We look at them through the lens of us being African and they might have humanity in them. And that creates that false vision of how we're to win. You know, that false narrative that they laid out on us during during that reconstruction period of that we need to give, you know, uh well right during the, the end of slavery where they would start start trying to tell us how we need to make the slave master feel empathy. He don't understand how we feel. So we have to make him feel what we feel, and then he'll let us free. You know, the Frederick Douglass appeal. You know what I'm saying? And that Frederick Douglass appeal got us now still appealing to those same things with that side of white people. We want to appeal to some sense of humanity and spirit and change of that nature, but we can see that we have to deal with these people on the whole. We can't individualize them. We have to put them all together. Uh, the things that they they do that they've done to us are, are man, these are atrocities beyond uh mention or compare. You know what I'm saying? But if you don't believe see this this why you know, that's why you, you have to look and see what you did to yourself. Because you are gonna tell me you ain't did it to us. Hell if you do what the hell you all done did to yourself, I know what you'll do to me. And work. I already know you gonna do me work than what you done did yourself. I say we got the history on you. 
Now I understand what Dr. John Harold Clark was saying. Study their history. Study them. Study their history. Study how they live, what they do, how they act. Know them, man. You need to have a thorough knowledge of them. There's not no regular people we're dealing with. This ain't us fighting in Africa amongst ourselves. They're fighting against a foreign entity that proves that it's a foreign entity every day through its contact with the natural, uh, you know, with nature, with other natural entities on the planet. It, it shows and proves it's foreign uh, nature. It is unnatural to this environment. So, you know, um, we don't owe them nothing but an ass whooping, as Dr. Clark said. Five hours. <laughs> so, you know, that's what that is. But um, what else going on out there? You got any stories to come in? Any, any news that you don't heard in there? But what's going on with the with the cop shot the 66-year-old? Heard it was a black cop. That's true? I don't know. I can't say. That's news to me. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, you're gonna have me have to while I'm here right now see what's good. Mm-hmm. That's that's news to me. Mm-hmm. But would I be surprised? No, because wasn't it a black cop involved in the Sean Bell shooting, m- murder massacre? Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked. Just one yeah, but I'm completely, you know, I don't really do the TV like that. I'm completely turned on. I thought I seen it. I thought I seen it on the internet that it was a internet. Yeah, I seen it. Look that shit up. Yeah, I could be, I could be wrong, but I thought I seen that. You yeah. know, you normally on point, brother Born, So I am confident that you know. But it is. I'm hoping that I'm wrong. I'm hoping that I'm, I'm hoping that I'm wrong. Black power, black power, Sam. Black power. Black power. Black power. What it do, baby, for all year? Just checking in with the fam. Said it might have been a. You said it might have been a brown skin cracker that they shot us, killed our, killed our sister, our elder sister. Yeah, I, I, I thought I seen that. I, I might be wrong. I'm hoping that I was wrong, but I thought I seen that. You know, this beat's so fucking dirty, man. So they can switch the narrative. It almost seemed like they the last couple, last, last, the last few shootings that's been going on on the national tip been making it seem like it's been black, black officers killing black people. So it ain't no white and black thing type shit. Almost seemed like the shit they trying to push. That's what I'm seeing. This shit. So 
So like sister Camille said, I wouldn't be surprised and shit if it was. The bottom line is they still wearing that blue uniform, which represent, you know what I'm saying, white racism. So fuck everything else they're talking about. That's my position on it. Again, bro, B. They don't care. I'm like, <laughs> like y'all, it don't matter. They don't. They they're like y'all. Listen, it don't matter. All cops are shooting you. Yeah, no doubt. Man, this ain't no black. They try to just throw it off of the racism. If we could throw it off the racism, we could. They ain't worried about nothing else. Let's throw it off of the racism. And then, you know, there's just all cops shoot black people. And it's about black people. It's black people doing certain wrong. It can't be that the cops is racist because a black cop doing it too. No doubt. I had a little story. I don't know if anybody dropped it on this uh, Monsanto about some Hungarians just destroy all Monsanto GMO cornfields. Um, this is out of the uh, offthegridquest.com. Offgridquest.com says the Hungarian Hungary has taken a bold stand against biotech giant Monsanto and genetic modification by destroying thousands of acres of corn found to have been grown with genetically modified seeds, according to Hungary. Deputy State Secretary and Ministry of Rural Development, Lejos Wagner. Unlike many European Union countries, Hungary is a nation where genetically modified seeds are banned. In a similar stance against GM ingredients, Peru has also passed a 10-year ban on GM foods. Almost a thousand acres of maize found to have been planted with genetically modified seeds have been destroyed throughout Hungary. Deputy State Secretary of the Ministry of World Development, uh, Lejos Bognar, said um, the GMO corn has been uh, plowed under, said Lejos Bognar, but pollen has has not spread, he added. Unlike several EU members, GMO seeds are banned in Hungary. The inspections will continue despite the fact that traders are obliged to make sure that their products are GMO-free, Bognar said. Um, During the investigation, controllers have found Monsanto's products among the seeds planted. Free movement of good food within EU means that authorities will not investigate how the seeds arrived in Hungary, but they will check where the goods can be found, Bognar said. Regional regional Public Radio reported that the two biggest international seed-producing companies are affected in the matter, and GMO seeds could have been sown, could have been sown, on up to could have been sown on up to the thousand of of what's that hectares in the country 
most of the local farmers have complained since they just discovered they were using GMO seeds, said uh, Global Research CA. Uh, as of May 2015, Hungary had not responded to the new EU legislation making GMOs legal in all countries unless they specifically opt out. Germany looks like they may opt out. Scotland has opted out within the UK. GMO seeds are not considered worrisome and dangerous simply because they are modified, but it is that they are modified to handle massive doses of what is this, glyphosate? No, glyphosate Roundup and not die. I guess that's the name for the Roundup. The uh, technical term is, the scientific term is glyphosate uh, and not die. They are made to take baths in chemical herbicide that is so dangerous for human that is so dangerous for human consumption and it is the fear that the buildup of glyphosate within crops is a potential cause for the recent rapid increase in autism, cancer, and other long-term developing illnesses. The company Monsanto has been so aggressive legally to cover up any public ill believed to have believed to be hushing farmers. Okay. The company Monsanto has so aggressively have so aggressive legally to Damn. The company Monsanto has so has been so aggressive legally to cover up any public ill believed to be hushing farmers, buying off segments of government, buying off segments of the government and paying off scientists in the US. That is that is that it is hard for anyone to know what logistical data has been showered and what truths to believe. It has become easier for countries like Hungary to plow under the crop and to try to decimate, disseminate between what is fact and what is farce. With Monsanto's disastrous reputation, the communication with Monsanto's disastrous reputation and communication failures. Uh, that's pretty much it. Um, there is also. The fact that Monsanto seeds are found to be present on land, they fight for ownership of those seeds and consider them as patent infringement, theft, or whatever you want to call it, rather than fight the giant in court every time the seed blow into a field. It's easier to wipe them off the map. So it sounds like these little Monsanto seeds, once they plant it, if you plant them around like, Organic shit or regular seeds, they kind of just kill them motherfuckers off and, 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 you know, their crop looks like it trumps out, you know what I'm saying, like a more natural crop from what, it's, from what I'm getting out of it. But they're doing this shit all over. This ain't just in Hungary, though. They're doing this shit on a global tip. But uh, something family probably should keep their eye on this shit. That's why when I go shopping, you know what I'm saying, a lot of times I just buy organic shit. If it don't really say organic, I don't fuck with it, even though it could still be some bullshit. But mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I don't fuck with nothing but organic shit. At least it say organic on the motherfucker, but if we ain't growing it ourselves, shit, we really can't. We can't you know what I'm saying? Nigga can't really make the distinction, but. Mm -hmm. We can't trust it no matter what. 
no matter fucking what. A need and black power to the family that started the Grow and Die campaign. A BB for Holy A to them because that's a, a definite need that we have to have our own food grow by, grown by us and we supplying each other in, in those means. But, Brother Bourne, um, this uh, cop that shot the sister, the elder sister, was a cracker beast for sure. Um, I have this picture. I put it in the hangout for the family to see. This is out of the new racist New York Post. It says that um, the NYPD sergeant who fatally shot the elder black sister queen, Deborah Danner, is a second-generation police officer who has spent eight years on the force. Sergeant Hugh Barry's father, also named Hugh, was a sergeant as well, who served as a department spokesman. The young Barry worked for six years in the 7th Precinct in the lower Manhattan before moving on to the Bronx 43rd Precinct. Barry, 30 years old, has no disciplinary record with the department, but was named in two police brutality lawsuits related to separate Manhattan incidents. The cases were filed in federal court within the past four years and alleged that Sergeant Hugh Barry, the cracker beast, dealt brutal beatings with his fist, feet, or baton, baton in violation of the plaintiff's civil rights as racial minorities. In the first case, a 2012 case, that resulted in the city paying a settlement. And a 2014 case went to trial with the plaintiff receiving no money from a Manhattan jury earlier this year. Okay? So the cracker had a history. As usual, we normally got a history. No matter if it's documented or not. So I'm glad you got your wish, King. It wasn't somebody with a high degree of melanin. It was the monster. I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad. I know I've seen something about it. I might have just been reading a headline or something. It might have mentioned, it might have mentioned more than that, but I'm so I'm glad. But that's good, though, we revisit it so we get this extra information on how they keep them right in the inside of the rank. They keep them in the rank. No matter what they do, they keep them in the rank. They already settled one time. At the first settlement, he's going to be out of there. Now, saying that, they always find a way to stay in the rank. I've just seen something where cop was fired for murdering somebody. He goes, he got fired in Seattle or Washington State. He moved to Texas and go be a cop then. Mm-hmm. And peep this. And, and, and it's the police or the police departments throughout this land are the extension or the extended arm of this white racist crack and society. And they are doing the work that they have always done 
from the moment of the first African kidnapped here, and they started organizing ways of keeping us in that inhumane bondage. In the 2012 federal lawsuit against Barry, plaintiff Gregory Peters, referred to as a 25-year-old African-American man in court papers, accused Barry and 10 other unnamed officers of spraying him with pepper spray and punching and kicking him during an August the 22nd, 2010 confrontation in Times Square. While the plaintiff was on the ground, the defendant officers repeatedly kicked the plaintiff in his back and punched him in his face. His injuries were not detailed. He was taken into custody. The charges, which were not described in the papers, you, conveniently, all the stuff you know, when they say that means it's blacking out, were eventually dismissed and sealed, okay? <laughs> Case in point being blackened out, the lawsuit said. And the city quickly settled with Peters, uh, the city quickly settled Peters' lawsuit for a measly $25,000. So you got a gang. You feel me? And so it's you. I it's not far for me to feel that I can easily say ninety percent of police officers in every damn precinct throughout this fucking land are behaving in this fashion when it comes to the African man and woman and child and and grandmama and grandfather.
Jimmy John's. What the hell is Jimmy John's? Y'all know where 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 is this place at? What you say? You know, Jimmy John's. It's like a sandwich shop. Know what that is. That is. Y'all ever heard of it? Oh, we yeah, that's what it is, bro, Big. Huh? Yeah, that's what it is. Little sandwich shop, you know what I'm saying? Do little salads and shit. All right, so they got Bucks. out there. Where you at? Yeah, they big out. They kind of big out here. Right. Midwest thing. No, nah, because the owner, they... They have articles saying if you support Jimmy John, then you support um, the killing of endangered African animals. Because the owner got mad pictures of him out in Africa just killing all type of animals. Rhinos, bull elephants, jaguars, all type of shit. Mm. Yeah, and if he, if he out there killing the, the uh, wildlife, you know what I'm saying, he, he got the same type of motherfucking... Uh, Demeanor with the people out there, you know what I'm saying? That shit is a place for them to go out there. They fuck off land and shit. They go out there and have a good time, do whatever. You know what I'm saying? They don't have no regard for the people or the inhabitants. So yeah, I'm sure you you right on with that shit. So that niggas need to if you eating at Jimmy John's or any affiliate restaurant, niggas need to see who the owner is and what else he got his hand in. Motherfuckers need to just, you know, be cognitive about where they spending their bread. I don't eat there and shit. I ain't never ate there. I know a couple of people say that they be having some shit, but I don't, I don't eat there. Mm. Yeah, but they big in the Midwest. At least out here, yeah. There's it's quite a few of them out here. Oh, all right. Yeah, I've never heard of them. Yeah, they big in the Midwest. At least in, like I said, in Ohio area, Columbus area, they out here heavy. They've been on the scene for about, I guess, about the last, I'd say, 15 years, 15, maybe 20. But fairly recent uh, franchise. I don't know what they might have branched out of, but, yeah, they big out here. All right. Anytime mm-hmm. you see that, you know, that's big corporate money behind that right there, uh-huh. something like that. But, you know, um, I wanted to share this, too. This is crazy. You know, um, the NYPD 
paid um paid out uh settlement payouts for the amount of two hundred sixteen point nine million mm-hmm. in twenty fourteen. Mm-hmm. That's oh. a crazy number. <laughs> I'm in a state of shock right now. And you know what, sis? You saying that shit, that means a whole lot of shit that went down that ain't even made media niggas ain't even heard about this shit. Huh? Okay. Oh, yeah. 216.9. Look, they might as well say 217. Why the fuck they put the point nine? Seriously? <laughs> <laughs> that, that boy. That's good as $220 million. <laughs> You feel me? In one year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's, all, that's two for 2014 alone. 2014 alone. Yeah, nah, they said it hit a record high. So that ain't even the Garner. That ain't got they nothing got, to do with Garner, none of them. They got they're Garner. That's, that's sitting there waiting to pay that money out, man. They Like New Haven, that thing, they got something like $50 million that they just got sitting waiting just in case the cops fuck somebody up so they can pay them. And meanwhile, we got hungry children, children in, the, in the city. Ain't got no place to sleep. Huh? Old people. Ain't got a dollar for that, but there's 216, excuse me, $220 million to pay for racist, brutal cops beating on African people. But not a dollar to feed one. Huh? Can't get no, uh, we can't get no reparations. <laughs> I'm scared to say that. That's, that's your reparations. That's your reparations. You get murdered and you get reparations. Take another beat down, another horror, another my offer to get that's a dollar. Pray it's on tape. I pray you got some good evidence. And take the body out. You know what, too? Uh, I was listening to Elder Bob Clark, man. He said shit. Well, he said people talking about reparations, put a number on it. He said, motherfucker, give me everything. I want it all because without us, wouldn't have been shit no way. Without the African, Europe would have Europe fucking disintegrated. He said, so I ain't got no number for you. Give me. He said, just give me. Give me Africa. Y'all can keep that ice box. He said, just get the fuck. I want every square inch of Africa. Y'all can get the fuck up out of there. Y'all can have it. We can have whatever the fuck else. But basically, he's saying there's no there's no figure because the figure is, nigga, without us, there is nothing. So nothing. everything that you would... Yeah, nothing. Yeah, everything, <laughs> everything you got is mine, nigga. That's the reparations. Come up off everything. Yeah, there's no number you can put on what we are owed. You know what I'm saying? You have to give us the planet twice. You feel me? You know what I'm saying? You give us all everything on the planet twice. Then then you might come halfway near what you owe. <laughs> hey, that's 100. That's for the five. You might get halfway near what you owe if you gave us the whole planet twice. You might. Still don't seem like it's far enough for me. They don't seem halfway. Maybe a third of the way, you know way. Crazy. Yo. New York City paid a half a billion dollars in NYP 
PD-related settlements over the past five years. This was an article that came out in 2014. A half a billion. All right. At 2014. For, for counting for five years. Damn, and that came out in 2014. So that would be 2009, right. No, nah, they ain't counting 2014. That was during 2014. True indeed. True indeed. You're right. Yeah, that's probably about up to 2012. 2008 to what? 2013. Five years. Hmm. They had paid a half a billion at that point. Then add that $220 million. That's $3.25 billion. Tell me. That's a billion dollars. Crazy. Then the motherfucking uh, the question comes to me is like, what what is their agenda with that shit though? You know what I'm saying? Like quiet. it's like, it it. they gotta keep them people quiet because you yeah. can't so like. All right, you can get the couple articles because it's about emotion, and it's about response. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's calling response. They put it out there, wait for you to respond. So they gotta give you some of that stuff because you know that the shit going on on a regular basis. So they got to give you only enough so you can be satisfied, but never enough that you want to go wild about it. So they couldn't just put on, man, every night on the news, it would be cop fuck this person up, cop fuck that person up, cop fuck this person up, cop fuck that person up, cop fuck this person up, cop fuck that person up, police fucked him up, police fucked her up, police fucked granny up, police fucked up the dog, police shot this man, police fucked them up, police hurt him. Police shot her. Police beat him up. And you'll see that that should be all night on the news. So, man, if you've seen that all night, you'll know, ain't no mother, what the fuck is this, man? These motherfuckers hold up, man. Fuck that. These motherfuckers crazy. Nah, fuck that. It makes you stop liking them because it's your, you know it's your people getting fucked up. Because you just seen, you know, you know, uh, you know Joe right there, little Joe over there. And he got fucked up by the police, and it's on TV. Look at that shit. You know what the fuck they did? Normally, it ain't even on TV. She just got fucked up. He come on, what happened, man? I got fucked up by the police. He ain't get fucked up by the police. It ain't on TV. Because we normally think that anything that happened like that, make it to TV. Once we've seen it, if we've seen it like that, make it to TV, we'll know it's a problem. We'll have a, 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 a type of semblance of fighting back. Without that shit, ain't no semblance of fighting back. We don't got the proper media telling us the right thing. That's why we got to push our shit harder. That's my thought, anyway. Ashe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm putting that article in the Hangout. All right, listen, listen, I want y'all to listen to something. I want y'all to listen to something. This is my first time listening to it. My man asked the question because this sounds like a pan African. This is, this is Killer Mike. On the, look like the view.
Councillor Mike, yeah. that your statement has ruffled some feathers with a lot of people. I mean, uh, talk about it. Well, let's not say ruffling feathers because we don't want to over-feminize it in, in play. But this is this Well, we don't deal. want to insult the chickens. Is exactly. that the point? Yeah. I, I, am, I am an advocate since I was 15 years old, an ally um, on the behalf of women and those disenfranchised. I entered the movement because I was fighting for the rights of black people. And what I learned was the same thing that oppresses black people, oppresses lesbians and gays, oppresses women, oppresses minorities other than blacks, oppresses immigrants, because it is a system that I'm fighting. I have no qualms with Hillary Clinton. I have nothing against her. I have something against big money being in politics. I have something against you telling me I must vote for someone because I'm black, or you must vote for someone because you're a woman. That was not the quote. The quote went as this. I was speaking to Jane Elliott. Please Google that name. In a private conversation, and I shouldn't have said it, but Jane said to me, not I shouldn't have said it, I just should have asked Jane, can I say it? Michael, when I asked her who was she voting for, because I assumed she's a liberal progressive woman, she was voting for Hillary. My assumption got quickly debunked. She said, Michael, a uterus does not qualify one to be president of the United States. So Jane said oh, that, she not did. you. And I, yeah. But this is the important part, that the black reporter Michael, who quoted that one line, didn't quote, the libertarian reporter, damn him. He didn't quote that it said the expectation should be social justice. And this is what social justice is. If black people were offered tomorrow every right that we had ever desired at the cost of a woman's right or the cost of a gay right or the cost of an immigrant's right, I would say thank you but no thank you because that appeases me. It helps my people. But social justice is wanting for me what I want for all of you all. all right. And well, if all of you guys have that, right. I don't know. She was saying, too, I just want to clarify, you're repeating things. You were repeating Jane, but quoting, you were quoting Jane, but in the sense of repeating it, isn't that also condoning it? Absolutely. It is condoned, it is backed, and it is the truth. It's like a retweet. You guys do not have yeah. young women are being bullied by their mothers, by older women, the same way I've been bullied by older civil rights um, um, leaders that I love. Many people voted for Obama because he was black, and some people voted because he was black against them. They did. So what did I, you do in that case? I voted for Obama because I believe that the policy of one-payer health care was working. I'm supporting um, Senator Bernie Sanders because he wishes to see that come to full fruition. Good enough ain't good enough. And people telling you enough's enough is not the same thing as saying enough is enough. Okay. Well, That's I agree with saying. you that a uterus, and, and Jane, that a uterus doesn't qualify you to be the president. But what about her decades of experience in politics, uh, being the Secretary of State? Does, does that qualify her in your eyes? Well, it doesn't disqualify or qualify. It simply says that I have a choice between two politicians who are equal in terms of asking for my vote. Right. When looking at the records of those, what I do is I say Martin Luther King has been my greatest, greatest political theorist and thoughter in my life. I put every politician I have voted for or against on a table, on a tracing paper, and see how their policy matches up with the social justice policy of Dr. Martin Luther King. And when I put Hillary's on there, she comes up shorter than a midget in a race. When I put, when I put, when I put, when I put, when I put oh, I apologize, little person, I apologize, when I put Bernie Sanders there, it is almost traceable line for line. So for me, for me, and I'm sorry, little people, if I hurt your feelings, I take that back. For me. I have to vote for the, for the policy that is 
about social justice, right. not winning for even, the party. Even if you feel he may not even be able to get anything done. Why would because, I feel that? Well, because they, we have a very uh, a very obstructionist Congress going on, and they gave trouble to I'm Obama. Glad to give him trouble I'm glad you said that. All right. We failed Obama when we didn't go back out and vote in those midterms, and we gave those seats to the Tea Party. Bernie Sanders... <laughs> Sanders is right. the only politician in the race today that does not say I, he says we. He says I won't solve the problem, we will. Black Power, this is your boy, Killer Mike. Killer Mike. The new black rap spokesperson for the movement. What y'all think about that out there, black people? Black Power, family, Black Power, man. Black Power. I'm, I'm, I, I heard it, man, you know what I'm saying? And I said, I mean, you know, I ain't fucking with Hillary no way, so I just didn't agree with him on that shit now. As far as the other shit with the try to compare him, to, uh, hey, that's whatever, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> whatever with that shit, shit. But if you talking about it, is is that bitch the devil? Yeah, yeah that bitch the devil. She is. Oh, well, the question was asked, right? I seen it online, and it said, "Does this sound like a pan Africanist to you?" Uh, Does it sound pan African to you? I don't. I would say that. I would say that now. Yeah, no, like, I, I would say he made some little points or whatever, but. I would I wouldn't go that far. Cause you said because then you telling a white boy go lead you to Pan African or some shit. like you know what I'm saying that shit don't even sound right. Mhm. No, that's what it was. The question was asked: Does he sound like a Pan African? Because I guess the word is that color Mike, the new Pan African. You know. He he one of the new faces of the movement, him and David Banner. A continuation of propped up Negro entertainers. You know? They did it in the sixties. They did it in the seventies. They did it in the eighties. They did it in the nineties. Why would they not do it in the millennium? Why would they stop? You know? So you know what I'm saying? I mean, first of all, whoever put that question, see, what frightens me is the person who made that a question. But that's even a fucking question. Wasn't shit pan-Africanist about what the fuck he had to say. In no kind of way. So how does that even pop in your head? No, nah, that's what I'm thinking. He, he posted it after seeing other... You know, seeing black people who, you know, black people who are on the fence, marking it out there. So he posted it to a more African-centered community. And what do we think about the, the motherfucking video? Okay, I got you now. Yeah. Like, yo, you, you do this sound like a pan-Africanist to y'all? Because, you know, that's what I say. He being pushed. You know, he being pushed the new, the new leader. One of them anyway. Well, wouldn't he? He loved a cracker, right? Yeah. Surely. He said he, he said he don't want no rights. If they give him rights, 
with the LGBTQTZ can't have and whites can't have, he don't want them rights. Take them rights back. Y'all going to give me something? You give me reparations? And you ain't going to get none for the ABCDEFGs? I don't want that. Take it back. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm waiting. When, when are these other motherfuckers going to do that? When are they going to say, you know what? I don't want that. Take it back. You're treating black people wrong. Did the job do that during their internment? Did they say, you know what? I don't want that money from y'all. Take it back. Y'all ain't dead black people right. I'm wondering if somebody's going to do us like that. A shame. Tell it be, take it back. I don't want it to. You're doing the black man right. I'll take all our ancestors' artifacts out of the mat right now. Now. Right now. Yeah. I'm right here. It ain't that minute. I'm 20 minutes away. I can get there. Good. You know, it's been how fast I'm going. So I say good 25. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We'll take all our shit back. And, and damn it, you can keep any one of these other months. You can keep the rest of them. Do whatever what you please. Take them little. Do what you like. Dun, dun, dun. Sometimes I bite. Yeah. <laughs> what? I'm not worried about that. I ain't got time to be worried about the next people. No, y'all better get y'all high on that. We wouldn't take. Can you imagine that, black people? We're going to give y'all y'all land of y'all own, but we want to talk to one of y'all leaders. Come here, leader. Come here, come talk to us. We got the leaders here. We got Killer Mike. We've seen him on talk. We've seen him talking on <laughs> Killer Mike, what you think? We're willing to give y'all land, your own land. Who you going to get land to? To all the black people. Every African in America that wants land, we're going to build a whole new land, going to be... Black Africa, New Africa land, and y'all can have it. We're going to fund it for the next 200 years with a $50 billion budget right now, all right? We're going to fund it for y'all. Fund it to the tune of that, and y'all can take all your monies with you and everything. But what about the Mexicans? Huh? What about the Chinese? They need some land. What about the Indians? What about the Mexicans? I don't think we can take that. You sure y'all don't want your own land? We're going we gonna to give you your own military, too. We're going to make sure you got military weapons, everything, top grade. No, no, no. Is you going to get that? Can, can Iran have it? No, they can't have it. But we don't want it either. This is the type of shit niggas are talking, really. Like, if y'all really want to listen to what they're saying, that's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. And listen, man. You're going to get the fags all land, all of their own. Get the fags reparations. You've been treating them bad. Don't just, you can't get We I won't take no reparations unless you're giving them to the LGBTs and the, and, the, and, the, and the rest of the minorities. And all. What? What? Which one of them? Which one of them slaves like us, man? What do you mean here? We know why we got so many 
queers in our goddamn community. These motherfuckers rapists, white people who done, who done imposed that bullshit on us. They rape culture. But you ain't gonna just sit here and tell me that we ain't going we we just we just like everybody else. Ashe. Yeah. You know what's funny though, Bro B? He's not the um my sister Camille was saying. He ain't even the first house nigga talking that shit. Got this. My dad had this fucking, this double disc set, uh, CD set by the motherfucking niggas be calling this nigga a Baba and all that shit, but I don't really fuck with this nigga. He's a Tom to me. Talk slick Willie Dick Gregory. <laughs> nah, the nigga got a double disc. This shit's called the light side and the dark side. And he said the same fucking silly-ass shit. This is what he said, and, I, you know, I, I'm paraphrasing. At the end of this shit, he said, when the white man give the Indian back his land, when the white man give the Jew, let the Jew go, then we'll know he's, we'll, we'll know he's serious when he fucking, you know, do right by the motherfucking red man and the Jew boy and the Asian. We'll know he's ready to deal with us. I said, man, this motherfucker, man. I bullshit you not. You can listen to this shit. It's the light side. Go ahead. Listen, right, I'm going to take that like he mean that. Listen, man, you ain't going <laughs> to see him deal with them right. I dig it. Look, dick. <laughs> Go ahead. On. I, I share think- with the family, and I'm looking for it right now when Brother Griff said that, the soul on ice book. <laughs> By uh, Cleek, what's his name? Eldridge Cleaver, who brought out how he was shot when he came down to Watts. Because our people saw yeah. him as being sent there right. by the Cracker Bees. That's damn right. Uh, uh, a copy. Yeah, he wasn't lying right. about that, dude. I seen the goddamn uh, the newspaper clip about that shit. They shot him in the ass. Gregory, right? <laughs> Yo, how how poetic, King, huh? Yep. Got him in the ass, man. The beautiful. Gave him the long man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They gave him the training day. Maybe that's what that maybe that's what that training day scene was about. Mm-hmm. Get your ass out of here with that whole ass shit, nigga. <laughs> right? That training day scene was about when Dick got his ass shot. Fucking around down here in the hood, thinking he was G'd up. It was really yeah, you know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> but what's funny to me, I promise, this is the funniest shit to me though, right? If you hear niggas talking about Bob and Dick Gregory, nigga, <laughs> 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 that's that just show to me, man. All a nigga gotta do, man, is do some bullshit. Go underground for a few years, you know what I'm saying? Come back with your old man, call himself a mama, everybody call it all good. <laughs> you don't remember they shot this nigga in the ass by some goddamn fuckery, nigga? Yeah. We got historical amnesia, King. Historical amnesia, Queen. That's exactly well, what it is. I got old and senile. <laughs> well, I'm going to keep it 100. Uh, 
Malcolm called that nigga out a long time ago. He was Malcolm was doing the interview. God damn, I, I think this might have been the Berkeley interview. The interview at Berkeley. Um, it was quite a long interview, but that shit was real thorough. But the um, the, the, the the white boy was interviewing Malcolm, and Malcolm had also a uh, another like an oratory there that was kind of, you know asking Malcolm his own set of questions on issues that he wanted Malcolm to touch on. But the uh, white boy said, well, if uh, Elijah is, 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 is so good for black people, then why do you have, uh, you know, other groups of black people coming out saying he's, he's, you know, he's a troublemaker, what have you? And he said, you got other black leaders speaking against Elijah. And Malcolm was like, well, these, these, these are not black leaders. He's like these are these are puppets. These are toms. You know what I'm saying? These are pretty much clowns that are prepped up by the white man to come out and pretty much offset what it is that 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 the nation represents. And he said like and he started naming names. He said like Lena Horn. He said Dick Gregory. I know he said them two names for sure. If I throw something else out there, I might be, you know what I'm saying, off. I want to be off track, so I ain't going to say no more names. But he did, he called out he called out Dick Gregory, and he said, these are puppets. These are clowns. He said, show me, show me somewhere in a white community where a comedian is a white leader, where an athlete is a white leader. He's like, that shit don't happen in the white community. Only in the black community do you get these types of uh, personality types, these celebrity types, and you prop them up and call them a black leader. That's coming from the words of the ancestor, uh, Michael Max. Like I said, that interview at Berkeley was real deep, so if I get a chance to check that out, he dropped some some heavy science in there, but that's where he spoke those words. Man, you going to make me play that shit. Shit, you need to because he dropped some. Man, that's when I knew. When I heard that, I said, Elijah didn't teach this man. Elijah didn't do this man was brought forth from the ancestors like he was around he was around thorough pan-Africanists because what he that whole interview was nothing but black nationalism you know he he gave some small little uh the 40 minute joint now that the real joint because I had that shit on VHH VSH then the real joint is like an hour and 20 minutes they got a they got a segment up there but he dropped some heavy shit on there but the real joint is 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 oh it's about an hour and thirty two minutes or some shit. But he man, do you got it? You said what? Do I got it? You asked me, do I have it, brother Boone? Yeah. I don't know. That was it's in my archives, man. Cause I lost a lot of my VSH joints and I let people use them and shit and niggas crack me and you know me. I got I got I got lost. I'm gonna say that much. Fuck, I ain't gonna shit on my family. Shit, they got lost, bruh. But I might have I might have that lecture in there. I'm gonna look through it though, and I I'll, I'll let you know. But yeah, the re- the real one is about a little, a little over an hour, about yeah. hour and thirty five minutes, hour thirty eight minutes. I got fifty minutes to the drink. Hey, the shit. I mean, a lot of what he said is in there. But you know what? See, now he dropped so much heat. A lot of our elders dropped so much heat in their prime, and then these niggas is posting this shit on le- on, on online. And to me, when I'm hearing some of these lectures, man, they look like they've been edited, like they real bad. They just chopping and screwing this shit. Yeah, they fucking chopping and pasting like a motherfucker. Hold up. This might be two parts. Let me see. Okay. 
and he drops some heat. Because they both on the same fucking network. You know what I'm saying? 140 minutes. James Baldwin speaks at Berkeley. What the fuck, James Baldwin? The niggas got overspam, man. These niggas been around for all these house nigga types or these uh, niggas speaking. Uh, all right. yeah. We got UKC, Berkeley. Mm-hmm. We got two of them from Berkeley. 146 minutes, 140 minutes. And then I got the Oxford Union debate right there. That's 31 minutes. Yeah, it ain't the Oxford Union, but uh-huh. the, Berkeley, the two Berkeley pieces is, is, is hot. Let's see, let's, see what, let's see what he's got. Mr. Moderator, students and faculty here at the University of California, brothers and sisters, friends and enemies. Hold up, hold up. That's the speech. Yeah, that ain't it. I was about to say that ain't it. Because he's sitting down. It's it's him and another brother and a white boy. White boy. Okay. Black flower. Today, in our discussion of minority groups, we have with us two guests. One is Minister Malcolm X. Shabazz, one of the top leaders of the Nation of Islam, or the so-called Black Muslims. And we also have Mr. Herman Blake, uh, one of the teaching assistants in the court. Uh, we will discuss today some of the, the goals and some of the strategies of the Nation of Islam. And I wonder if Mr. Blake might start it off by asking um, Mr. Shabazz a question. Minister Malcolm, the thing that I thought might be good for starting it off is to talk about one of the most pervasive beliefs in the general society about the Nation of Islam, and that is that it is an organization dedicated to the use of violent means to attain its goals. The question I have is, how true is this, and why do you think it persists in society? Well, the Muslims have accepted the religion of Islam and followed the religious guidance of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad have never found any church never murdered any little girl, as was done in Birmingham, have never lynched anybody, have never at any time been guilty of initiating any aggressive acts of violence during the entire uh, 33 years or more that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad has been teaching us. The charge of violence against us actually stems from the guilt complex in the conscious and subconscious minds of most white people in this country. They know that they've been violent in their brutality against Negroes. And they feel that someday the Negro is going to wake up 
saying, do unto them as they have done unto do unto the whites as the whites have done unto us. We are the violent group. We do uh, we are taught by the honorable Elijah Muhammad to be to obey the law, to respect everyone who respects us. We're taught to display courtesy, to be polite. But we're also taught that at any time anyone in any way uh, inflicts or seeks to inflict violence upon us, we are within our religious right to retaliate in self-defense to the maximum degree of our ability. We never initiate any violence upon anyone. But if anyone attacks us, we reserve the right to defend ourselves. So to accuse us of, of being violent is like accusing a man who is being lynched, who is being hung on a tree, uh, simply because he struggles vigorously against his lyncher. The victim is accused of violence, but the lyncher is never accused of violence. And I only point this out because the various racist groups that are set up in this country by whites and who have actually practiced violence against blacks for 400 years are never associated or identified or made synonymous with the term violence. But whites speak of Muslims almost synonymously with violence. Whenever Muslims are mentioned by them, violence is brought up. But, not, but it's not connected with any other. This is a sort of a propaganda tactic or what I would call psychological warfare, to uh, in some way make uh, the image of the Muslims in this country be a violent image rather than a religious image. I'd like to ask a question in that regard. What's interesting is that uh, members of the Nation of Islam have not used violence even when uh, black Americans were attacked. Uh, how do you account for this? Does this in any way contradict uh, some of the basic premises of your movement? I don't know how you mean. Well, you maintain, for example, that, that you will not, or that you should not use violence unless you are attacked by the white man. And I think we can note in the last several years, certainly, dozens and dozens and dozens of instances in which Negroes have been uh, attacked, uh, Killed in some instances. You mean in these demonstrations? These demonstrations and, and the bombings, for example, recently in Birmingham, where they killed four little Negro girls. And what interests me is the fact is, is that the Nation of Islam has not done anything to retaliate. I think you should be happy. The important thing is, does your lack of action no, contradict any no, of your basic principles? Uh, I'll explain it. You should be happy that Muslims who follow the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, number one, don't believe in any form of integration and who and, and believe that every mention of the word integration by whites, whether it be from the mouth of Kennedy on down to the mouth of the lowest, raggediest white liberal in the street who is beatnik-like involving himself in these integration efforts, if we believed in it, we would integrate and we would fight anybody who got in our way or made any effort whatsoever to stop us from integrating. If we really believe that the law of the land, the Supreme Court, and other so-called judicial bodies were for real, uh, 
when they talked about integration, we would integrate. And knowing that the law was on our side, and any effort we made to demonstrate towards integration, why, we would know the law should be on our side. Uh, if it's the law of the land. If it is the law of the land, then the demonstrators are within the law. And the uh, uh, discriminators are against the law. But to show you the hypocrisy of the law, when Negroes demonstrate for integration, instead of uh, arresting the discriminators, the law arrests the demonstrators. So this is a foolish move on the part of Negroes. And when you foolishly get yourself involved with a, uh, an enemy, then whatever comes upon you, that's your business. As Muslims, we believe that separation is the best way and the only sensible way, not integration. And, uh, on, but on the other hand, when we see our people being brutalized by white bigots, white racists, uh, we think that they are foolish to allow themselves to be beaten and brutalized and do nothing whatsoever to protect themselves. They are foolish. They, have, they should have the right to, de to defend themselves against any attack made against them by anyone. If a dog is biting a black man, the black man should kill the dog. Whether the, the dog is a police dog, a hound dog, or any kind of dog. If a dog is picked on a black man, when that black man is doing nothing but trying to uh, take advantage of what the government says it's supposed to be is, then that black man should kill that dog or any two-legged dog who fixed the dog on Did other black men help that particular person who was attacked? I think you'll find, sir, that there will come a time when black people wake up, become intellectually independent enough to think for themselves as other humans are intellectually independent enough to think for themselves, then the black man will think like a black man, and he will feel for other black people. And this new thinking and feeling will cause black people to stick together. And then at that point, you'll have a situation where when you attack one black man, you are attacking all black men. And this type of black thinking will cause all black people to stick together. And this type of thinking also will bring an end to the brutality inflicted upon black people by white people. And it is the only thing that will bring an end to it. No federal court, state court, or city court will bring an end to it. It's something that the black man has to bring an end to himself. Senator Malcolm, let me, on the basis of your two remarks, ask a question. One, is it then your assertion that the laws with respect to how Negroes are supposed to have equal opportunity and equal rights in this country are not meaningful or believed by whites? And secondly, what is then is your opinion and attitude toward the civil rights movement in general, and particularly uh, Reverend Martin Luther King and his philosophy of nonviolent and direct action? If uh, the white people really pass meaningful laws. not be necessary to pass any more laws. There are already enough laws on the law book to protect an American citizen. Only need uh, additional laws when you're dealing with someone who is not regarded as an American citizen. But white 
meant that this black man is not a citizen. Uh, so they classify him as a, a second-class citizen to, to get around uh, making him a real citizen. If he was a real citizen, you'd need no more laws. You'd need no civil rights legislation. Uh, civil rights is, uh, when you have civil rights, you have citizenship. It's automatic. White people don't need laws to protect their citizenship because they're citizens. But they, want, they, uh, they don't want to tell us we're not citizens. And at the same time, they don't want to pass laws that are meaningful enough to protect us as if we were citizens. And the Supreme Court desegregation decision is the best example I know. That's a law from the Supreme Court. Ten years have gone by. No, no desegregated schools. It hasn't been implemented beyond, I think, 9% in 10 years. So this just shows you the hypocrisy of the American white man. They talk out of both sides of their mouth. And uh, for this reason, we who are Muslims, that is, who believe in the religion of Islam, we believe in God, we don't believe that black people will ever get any laws, get any problem with laws being passed or uh, new persons being put in office, uh, white liberals being put in office. There is nothing that the white man will ever do to bring about uh, true, sincere uh, citizenship or civil rights recognition for black people in this country. Nothing will they ever do. They will always talk it, but they won't practice it. And uh, with the Supreme Court, if the NAACP can tell me that they want a desegregation decision for me uh, 10 years ago, but yet the schools haven't been desegregated, as I say, this is a victory with no victory. Uh, it's a victory that you can talk about, but it's a victory you can't show me. So if you represent the NAACP and you are telling me about this great victory you won for me, when I look at you, I have to uh, conclude that either you have been duped yourself or else you are trying to dupe me. And in most instance, instances where the civil rights struggle is involved, there is no civil rights leader can point to me one concrete gain, practical gain, that black people have made in the civil rights field in this country, not only during the past 10 years, but during the past 100 years. Now, the other part was uh, with respect to Well, I will let uh, uh, Jimmy Baldwin and John Killen and Lou Lomax, the writers, answer that. Uh, uh, speaking right after the, the, this church was bombed in Birmingham, bombed in Birmingham by 16 mind you, and these four little girls were murdered, uh, John Killen and James Baldwin and uh, Lomax and the Negro writers and actors had a meeting at the town hall in New York, and Killen pointed out, concerning these murders of these little girls, said, the killings had raised doubts about the intelligence of the nonviolence uh, non in the civil rights struggle. He went on to declare that he could no longer be asked to love those who persecuted and killed Negroes. He also, uh, and the writer, uh, Mr. Handler, who's, who's uh, describing this, said that Killen, it was not clear concerning Killen's remark to his audience that he was breaking with the, it was clear, rather, to his audience that he was breaking with the doctrine of the Reverend Martin Luther King's uh, uh, philosophy that as Christians, Negroes should love their fellow man in a truly religious sense. Now, Dean Baldwin, speaking on that same platform, said, and I was present during this entire affair, asserted that the American people shared a collective guilt for the persecution of Negroes, much as Germans did because of their silence during the Nazi persecution. He denounced President Kennedy 
for what he termed Kennedy's lack of passion in the civil rights struggle. Mr. Baldwin said that there could no longer be a Republican Party for the Negro people as long as it lifted a Barry Goldwater nor a Democratic Party for the Negro people with a Senator Eastland on its roster. He asserted that the federal government acted swiftly and energetically, that unless the federal government acted swiftly and energetically, future slaughter would make Birmingham look like a dress rehearsal. I, and now, how, what do I think about uh, King's uh, attitude? King's right-hand man, uh, Wyatt Walker, at King's convention, according to the New York Times on September the 26th, said, we have, quote, we have been duped, meaning these persons involved in the civil rights struggle, of which King is the symbolic leader. His right-hand man says, and I quote, we have been duped, or have duped ourselves, into believing that the chains have been broken, when in truth we have only been chained more securely. Half freedom has in many instances been worse than no freedom at all. Why, don't ask me what I think about their struggle. I can tell you what they think about their struggle. And they, have, and they are, are, are pointing out that it is becoming more difficult every day uh, for the civil rights leaders to keep the masses of black people uh, nonviolent and uh, long-suffering and patient and keep them from becoming disenchanted. hope that answers your question. Well, now, there's a new party uh, which has started on the East Coast called the Freedom Now Party, an all-black organization. Would you comments upon this and also upon the possibility that the Nation of Islam might begin to turn some of its attention to the political arena in view of the fact that it is in the political arena that uh, Negroes have not been able to in any way get justice as has been pointed out in the previous statement. I'm not familiar with the Freedom Now Party. I'm not too familiar with politics, period, only with, in the sense that uh, white politicians have usually been very hypocritical. Uh, where the so-called Negroes are concerned. So I'm a bit disenchanted uh, with politicians and politics. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad is a religious man, and his teaching is religious, and his solutions are religious. Uh, the Freedom Now Party, from what I understand, is headed by a man named a lawyer, named Conrad Lynn. I know him. <coughs> he probably means well. Uh, before passing an opinion on what it is he's trying to do, I would like to uh, analyze it see who's subsidizing him, see who his friends are, especially who his white friends are. Uh, and after uh, a careful analysis, if I could conclude that uh, there was no uh, white support, I would be inclined to have confidence in it. But if I saw him leaning too heavily upon his white liberal friends for support, then I'd be suspicious of that too. The Muslims, in my opinion, uh, represent an all-black and the Honorable Elijah Muhammad pointed out that uh, before 10,000 in Philadelphia on uh, September the 29th uh, at a rally that we were having, that in 1964, the black people could band together and do something about electing, uh, electing, electing uh, representatives, black representatives politically, uh, who have the uh, right and the, uh, the best interests of the black people at heart that we should also unite together and sweep out of office all of the black political puppets who are used by the white power structure to continue white supremacy uh, in our community. In that regard, would you include um, Congressman Dawkins, for example, since the 
uh, in, in the area of acting as a puppet. I don't know what Mr. Muhammad's opinion is of Congressman Dawson. They both live right there in the city of Chicago together. Uh, I don't know what his uh, opinion is of Congressman uh, Dawson. Uh, I'm suspicious of any Negro, big politician, uh, big clergyman, or civic leader who is constantly patted on the back by whites. I have a tendency to lean toward the Negro politician who is constantly condemned by the white power structure. Uh, this is my thought pattern. I'm giving you an insight of it. You uh, go mention Mr. Lynn and saying you'd like to know who his white friends are. Now, I'm wondering if you didn't make a contradictory statement in Muslim terms by using white and friend in the same phrase. That is I to use say, friend in quotes. I see. In other words, if a, if a black man cannot have a white man as a friend. He may have a white man who's friendly, but being friendly and being a friend, I think, are two different things. I think there are many whites who act friendly toward Negro. The fox acts, acts friendly toward the lamb. And usually the fox is the one who ends up with the lamb shot on his plate. The wolf doesn't act friendly, and therefore the wolf has more difficulty in getting the lamb shot in its place. I'd like to point out, though, that I, I, I say that because it is usually the, if you study the structure of the Negro community, economically, politically, civically, psychologically, and otherwise, it's controlled by the white liberals who usually poses as the friend of the Negro, who actually differs from the white conservative in, in the same way that the fox differs from the wolf. Uh, their appetite is the same. Their motives are the same. It's only their mannerisms and, and methods are different. I would agree that um, no doubt there have been a large number of, of whites who have posed as liberals and as friends of the Negro and who have time and again betrayed the Negro. Uh, on the other hand, I think one could point to a large number of whites uh, who have struggled for civil rights, for <laughs> equality, and have got little or nothing out of it uh, other than Quite a few bruises. Give me an example. Well, the, the large number of, of white uh, students who have gone into the South, for example, working for SNCC and other organizations. Not working for SNCC or other organizations, but working for the white uh, political machine who benefit by the voting uh, efforts of Negroes. Okay. I'll be more specific. Uh, I would cite Herbert Hill, for example, as, an, <laughs> as, as a kind of person who has uh, championed Negro job rights, for example. Uh, in New York City and elsewhere. He has fought the political machine. The first time I met Herbert Hill personally was when they were picketing to stop the working on the uh, Harlem Hospital in Harlem. Negroes for 10 years had to fight the city to get uh, an annex built on the Harlem Hospital. Because in Harlem we need a hospital more so than anything else. Our people are sick. Plus we do a lot of cutting and shooting of each other. But we profess to be nonviolent. And... Uh, Herbert Hill brought his forces out and stopped the working on that site. Uh, this is the first time I ever saw him. Then uh, when work was brought to a halt on a hospital in Harlem, the same Negroes tried to stop the work at the downstate uh, medical center in Brooklyn, which is predominantly white. They, they were out there for three months, something, something. couldn't stop anything. And I never saw Herbert Hill out there one time. Now, whenever something, whenever it takes... Uh, a stoppage is something that's going to affect the white man. You find the white liberal absent. But it, when it uh, involves something that primarily will affect the best interest of black people, 
and black people only than that white liberalist thing. Herbert Hill is the labor secretary for the NAACP. And uh, uh, if he was interested in black people, he would prepare a black man with the type of knowledge and understanding of the labor troubles involving black people that would enable uh, a black man to sit in the same position as secretary of labor or labor secretary in the NAACP. I'm suspicious of whites who join Negroes and always have to be in the league, who always have to be the head, who always have to be at the top in Negro organizations. Those whites who really have the interest of blacks at heart, let them give some advice to some Negroes and stand on the sidelines. But don't join the organization and then get at the head of it and pose as a friend of Negroes. Well, I I would uh, defend his sincerity and his commitment. And more than that, I would say that just because a person is a Negro or a black American does not mean he's going to struggle for, for Negro rights or, or for jobs for Negroes or anything else. I think that today you could point to a large number of, of Negro leaders who have consistently betrayed Negroes in a whole host of areas. They aren't really Negro leaders. These are puppets that have been put in front of the Negro community by white liberals. These are parrots that have been put in front of the Negro community by white liberals. You can't name me a Negro leader who has been a Negro leader who has been betray, who has betrayed Negroes, who is not who has not been endorsed, sanctioned, uh, subsidized, and supported by the white liberals. Minister Malcolm, I'd like to well, I can cite one example of Congressman Dawson, for example, in Chicago. In, in Chicago, a large number of liberals located in the Hyde Park district have consistently fought Dawson and his betrayals of the Negro, and they've also fought some of the people who represent Dawson on the Chicago City Council. The only Negro I know who is constantly, the only Negro politician that I know who is constantly fought by white liberals is Adam Clayton Powell. And they call him a racist because he speaks so bluntly on the race issue. Uh, but I'm not, as I said, not too familiar with Dawson and his work. Let me, let me return uh, to the Nation of Islam per se, Minister, by raising a question which uh, struck me as a result of reading some of Baldwin's work, namely the fire next time. Baldwin pointed out that in Harlem for many years he had passed the street corners and the soapboxes and heard people speaking from these platforms who were known as black nationalists, and nobody was listening. And he said, all of a sudden, he realized that people were beginning to listen to the Muslim speakers on the street corners in Harlem. The message essentially was the same, but it was that now many, many people were listening to what this message was. And you pointed out that uh, the Nation of Islam has been in the picture uh, for about 33 years. What is it, in your judgment, that has caused this tremendous amount of support that the Nation of Islam has garnered in the Negro community in, say, the last 10 years? When you put a seed in the soil, it remains beneath the soil until the season changes. And when the season changes, that the seasonal change automatically brings about, uh, rather atmospheric conditions bring about a seasonal change that makes that seed come up or crop grow uh, in its appointed time. And all over this world today, God himself has brought about political uh, changes, a political atmosphere, sociological, social atmosphere, uh, economic atmosphere. These economic conditions, these political conditions and social conditions uh, combine to bring about a situation that is making black people in America more receptive, their mind more fertile. 
Elijah Muhammad has been planting for 30-some years. And this is springing up today and causing our people to see and understand now what they couldn't see and understand before. What is the nature of this situation which is making black people more receptive? The, well, you take uh, the, in the past, say, 15 years, how uh, the nations have emerged, dark nations have emerged in, in Africa. Uh, prior to 10 years ago, most Negroes associated or identified Africa with a savage, jungle-like place. And whenever you mention the word African in their mind's eye, they could see the image of a, someone running around with a spear, uh, with no language, the other brother, boo, or buana, or something, and uh, who'd be in the jungle running from lions or chasing lions. But then when, uh, after the war, when the United Nations was set up in New York City, uh, black people began to look at uh, uh, men like Tom M. Boyer. They began to look at men like uh, Nkrumah. They began to see men like Lumumba. They began to see men like Nasser. They began to see uh, these uh, Belawa and Azikwe who could uh, exchange intellectually with whites on an international level in a political form and hold their own. This made the black people in this country realize that what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad had been teaching all the time actually had substance. And they began to turn it over in their mind and see that what he was saying had more weight to it than what these other uh, Negroes were saying. And they began to identify themselves with the black world and the black struggle more uh, closely than they identified themselves with the so-called white world. Let me ask you a question with respect to a statement which Essien Udom quotes as being on a bulletin board in the University of Islam in Chicago by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. According to Mr. Muhammad states, up you mighty race, you can accomplish what you will. Build your future on these foundations, freedom, justice, and equality. What is the definition of freedom, justice, and equality for the black man, and where and when is it to be attained? Well, take equality first. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad doesn't teach us to uh, associate equality with white. Equality has nothing to do with white. We, want, we don't want to be equal with the white man. He's not the criteria or yardstick by which equality is measured. He's not in a position to tell us we are equal. It's not his right. It's not his to do. Equality, we want equality. We had equality before the white man was created. We had, the, we had equality before the white man came into existence. And we want equality whether the white man is on this earth or not. Equality means the uh, opportunity to develop all of our dormant potential, all, all of our dormant capability. And, and, and uh, in developing this dormant uh, capability, the right and the ability to stand on this earth on some land uh, of our own and bring about a civilization and a society in, we will, in which we will be completely independent, complete freedom to uh, uh, take care of the needs, to take care of the uh, wants and the likes and the dislikes of our people, to establish our own nation, our own society, our own heaven, our own future. This is what we mean by freedom, by uh, equality. And justice means, uh, as you sow, so shall you reap. If you do wrong, you'll get wrong in the end. 
And if you do right, you'll get right in return. When you're in your own nation, in your own land, you're in a position to get justice. But when you're in another man's country, in another man's land, under another man's flag, and under another man's uh, 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 government, and under another man's court system, you have to look for that other man for justice, and you'll never get it. And Negroes in this country probably are authorities on that. To what extent does this formulation approach that expounded by Zionists? Uh, they, for example, many Zionists, Zionists maintain they could never expect uh, justice in the Zionist courts and, and the courts found in other countries in Eastern Europe and so on. And they decided that it would be wise to establish a separate state in, in Israel. And, and, the, and, the, and all of the world powers got together, the white world powers, I should say, got together and helped all of these white Jews to establish a separate state uh, in the heart of a dark-skinned people territory. Uh, and if white people can get together and, and, and let other whites, help other whites uh, to establish uh, an independent nation right in the midst of dark-skinned people, and then we see, we don't see where white people could be so much against the Honorable Elijah Muhammad's solution, not of the setting up an independent dark nation in a white people's property, but he's asking uh, uh, the opportunity to set up an independent nation in our own, on our own country. Let us leave America and go back home among our own people on our own land and set up our own independent society. But all he says is that this government, which made us slaves, should supply the transportation for us to get back home and give up all of the machinery and the tools necessary for us to till the soil and establish our own agricultural system to feed and clothe our people, our own economy, and in some way become an independent people among our own people on our own country. This is intelligent, and Zionists should never criticize us. You say then that the United States is not the black man's country. Definitely American not. laws no, are no. not black man's laws. No. I, American laws are not the black man's laws. Well, the, the uh, laws here in America were made white, by white people for the benefit of white people. The Constitution was written by whites for the benefit of whites. It was never written for the benefit of blacks. And, and when you read the Constitution, I think in Article 1, Section Article 1, Section 2, or Section 1, Article 1, so one of the two. And it's in the Constitution. It says that uh, it classifies black people as three-fifths of a man. Three-fifths of a man, subhuman, less than a human being. It relegates us to the level of cattle, hogs, chickens, cows, a commodity that could be bought and sold at the will of the master. No, it was written by whites for the benefit of whites and to the detriment of blacks. And when a black man stands up talking about his constitutional rights, he's out of his mind. I'm going to Malcolm in our textbook, which the students have read, supposedly. There is a statement, which is a quotation from Essien and essentially that from uh, Lincoln, to the effect that uh, the nation of Islam does not have a great deal of support in the Negro community in this country by and large. And a recent national poll of American Negroes found that leaders and rank and file, according to their statistics, supported the Reverend Martin Luther King somewhere over 90%, whereas the support and favorable rating that they gave Minister Muhammad was less than 20%, and somewhere around 45% of them gave an unfavorable rating to Mr. Muhammad. What would your response be? in terms of Baldwin's statement that this is a growing thing and the 
kinds of evidence that we have that there isn't much to it. Well, uh, that, that statement I made just made concerning the Constitution is Article 1, Section 2 in the Constitution, where it's classified as a status. Uh, Baldwin did point out that Mr. Muhammad has the only grassroots support and is the only one who holds the following operates or functions on the mass vehicle. Uh, and I think Baldwin told Dr. Kenneth Clark that uh, Martin Luther King is at the end of his ropes. Now, concerning the uh, poll taken by Newsweek magazine, I think you said that this was the leader who said that, uh, who went with King and against Mr. Muhammad around 90%. I just told you a little while ago, these leaders that they call leaders, this included Kalina Horn, this included Dick Gregory, this included comedians, comics, trumpet players, baseball players. Show me in the white community where a comedian is a white leader. Show me in the white community where a singer is a white leader or a dancer or a trumpet player is a white leader. These aren't leaders. These are puppets and clowns that uh, have been set up over the white community and uh, over the black community by the white community and have been made celebrities and usually say exactly what uh, they know that the white man wants to hear. And it is an honor, actually, that they endorsed Dr. Martin Luther King and uh, uh, were against the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. That's actually an honor. Now, when you say that they also, in the same Newsweek poll magazine, they, uh, I think the pollster said that he went into the Negro community and asked about the Muslims. And many Negroes, when he asked, said, well, I never heard of the Muslims. Who are they? You know, this is the rank and file we're talking Oh, yeah. About. Now, when they got down to the rank and file, this was the answer that they got. Uh, this is the equivalent to uh, the situation in Kenya during the Mau Mau uprising when many uh, frightened uh, whites, in Kenya, Africa, would go among the Africans and ask them, what about the Mau Mau? And the African would say, I never heard of them. And the same white man who would ask the African this question and very naively believe what the African said, when he went to bed that night, he would lose his head. And usually the one who took his head was the same African who told him that afternoon he had never heard of the Mau Mau. Except uh, in the Newsweek polls, they used Negro interviewers. You'll find that oftentimes Negroes are as much on guard uh, around Negro interviewers who usually represent the bourgeois uh, element of Negroes as they are on guard around whites. Uh, usually Negroes know that when this bourgeois Negro walks through the door, he is not doing something that he's initiated himself, but he's involved in something in which the white man is the absolute author of and has sent him to the Negro community for some information. And when they give that Negro some information, usually they give him the information that they want the white want him to take back to the white man, because that's who he's going to take it back to. Uh, our time is just about up, Minister Malcolm, and uh, perhaps you could summarize and conclude by giving us, in your opinion, or in the opinion of Mr. Elijah Muhammad, what would be the ideal solution to the racial problem in the United States today? Well, on Thursday, October the 3rd, the New York Tribune, in an editorial, pointed out in Boston, in an article called The Civil Rights Iceberg, they pointed out how Kennedy had realized that beneath the water, the civil rights uh, whole problem uh, was political suicide. Because in his own hometown, the head of the Board of Education, a woman named Mrs. Uh, Hicks, was running against the NAACP philosophy, and she swept aside all other opposition. The whole white community supported her in opposition to the NAACP's desire for integrated schools, integrated housing, and 
rights are against integration in practice, but they're for it in principle. So the only solution is separation. And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad says that this can be brought about simply by letting our people be exposed to the truth about ourselves, about the white man, about our history and our condition in this country. And once we are exposed to the complete truth of things, about things as they actually exist in this country, the masses of black people will choose complete separation from this entire system, political system, economic system, social system, and whatever other aspect or description you, or, or uh, uh, adjective you want to attach to it. Let us go back home to our own people, live among our own kind, and solve our own problems ourselves. And if the white man doesn't want us to go back to our own people and live in our own country, then since we can't get along together in peace on this country with white people, let us separate part of this continent, migrate to that separate territory, let the government give us everything we need to establish our own independent economic system and society, and thereby we'll be able to solve our own problems ourselves and prove that we are a human being and a part of the human family and can do for ourselves what other humans have done for themselves. And then we'll be able to stop blaming the white man for what he has done and stop begging the white man to solve our problems. We'll be able to solve our problems ourselves. Black Power. Black Power. Black Power. Black Power. That was our brother, Malcolm. Black Power. He smacked him, didn't he, Bo B? He touched on pretty much the whole gauntlet, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Any highlights you want to touch on? Um... The one, first of all, I told you what he said about uh, Dick Gregory. So that right there is Malcolm's words at that time, and that's when Dick Gregory was a young cat trying to get in this shit. And niggas weren't really, niggas weren't rocking with Dick like that. You know what I'm saying? Second of all, um, one of the most powerful pieces that I that I liked about that speech, and I thought about this at a later time after I had even heard this. Uh, I listened to this lecture like fucking. Probably like six, seven times because this shit's so deep. You got to go back and then just break down certain aspects and ideologies that he was speaking on. But the one part when the guy asked him about, um, do you think when that black person is getting attacked, that other black man should help jump in and, and help that black person out? <laughs> and he said, but you're going to find there's going to come a time when the black people are going to wake up and see themselves as a whole group. And then at that time, they'll find when when you when you start attacking one black person, you're gonna be attacking all black people, and everybody not, not nobody's gonna stand by and watch their sister, their brother get get their hands put on them. And when you got that, when that happens, that's the time where you're gonna see black people getting respected, getting dealt with like niggas know better than to fuck with us. Period. Point blank. That right there was one of the most powerful pieces of that, that lecture for me, even though the whole thing was powerful. But problem. Yeah. I, I agree, I agree with, uh, with Brother Griff right there, the assessment. Really, he spoke to everything that we live in and going through right now, you know what I mean? Um, I think one thing that he spoke on when we become politically mature and start validating the world through, you know, we need to look at things for face value, and then we'll make our own conclusions on what we need to stand. 
But for us to engage in the political process of Europeans, I think that's insanity. Also, the part where he said that for any black man to think that uh, going to going to courtroom or any other venue talking about his constitutional rights, nigga, out, you out your fucking mind. You know what I'm saying? He said right there in that document, it tells you you three fifths. Now, whether that document has you know highlighted those individual clauses. You know, at at this current time, nigga, that's still part of the whole document. They didn't eliminate it because they threw it, you know, on the back burner. The shit's still there. So it's an, now this is, you know, it's, an, it's not preached, but it's like you said, they ain't practicing what they preaching. But the shit's still there. You know what I'm saying? So it's the way the game rolls. At, at, at this point, motherfuckers are supposed to know, this nigga, this how the shit played. Fuck all the extra shit. The game is played like this. And, you know, the funny part is real motherfuckers know that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, the average everyday grassroots brother and sister, even the youth are already seeing that. And the fucked up part is you got the older generation telling some some of the older generations telling the youth, like, nah, that ain't really what it is. You just need to go to school, work hard, giving them that bullshit. Meanwhile, they're living a different reality. So at that point, they developed this discontent for the older generation to, you know, those who lying to him and be like, man, fuck what y'all talk about. You know what I'm saying, nigga? Because I'm seeing it. I'm living it. And you telling me some other shit, and that ain't what it is. And then when a motherfucker's not graduating or they're not going off to college and doing these other things, you know what I'm saying? You you know, the, some of the older folks making them feel like they ain't shit. Not letting them know that, you know, it was never really designed for you as a whole to be able to get access to this shit. It was just designed to create different sects of the same group and pit each other and, you know, pit you against your own brothers and sisters. I was, I was, I remember I hit you with, I just hit you that CD, Brother Born. I had a sister today, you know, she's an older sister. She's caught up on the Christianity tip as far as just, you know, talking about, I'm talking to her, right? And I said, man, I said, you done with, I let her hear the CD. She said, yeah, I like it, but it's just too much. It's too much. And I said, well, listen, she, got, she has a stepson that she adopted, and he's like 22. So I said, you know, pass it off to him because he's going to need that. I said, right now, you're from a different generation, Queen, so you're not going to be able to really – that's on a different that, – that CD's on a different frequency. It's like a manual, you know what I'm saying, a straight-up straight blue, blue military blueprint for the young black male. I said, just pass it off to him and let him taste it and, and you know, let him run with it, see what he think about it. She's like, I ain't giving him that. He listened to enough bullshit rap already. I said, man, see, I said, you won't give him that, but you'll throw him the Bible. And then she's like, it's power in Jesus' name. I said, man, she was being funny, but at the same time, she was dead serious shit. And then when I saw that, though, I saw some of that fuck shit that the older generation passes off to the youth when you in a war and motherfuckers start giving you motherfucking, like, philosophies to deal with, you know what I'm saying? When they're not really giving you a tangible, you know what I'm saying, element to be able to combat or offset what your enemy's throwing at you. they giving you some pie-in-the-sky shit. And I'm like, baby, I'm like, Quinn, you scared. Like, you really don't want to deal with what it is we facing. And I said, it's okay. You can just say that instead of telling me it's power in Jesus' name. Meanwhile, 
you, you're quoting from a, you know, a, a book that was given to us by the same people we banging with. And you think that that would be a liberation tool. You look over time period, the results has is, is gotten even worse. So that right there would tell you, if you was thinking correctly, that that shit is null and void. But she's not trying to hear it. But I'm, she still don't want to give the, the, the youth the CD, though. You know what I'm saying? And it's almost like, okay, you feel like you're going to devalidate what you're doing by giving another approach. You know what I'm saying? Giving a different type of, you know what I mean, a different strategy and shit. So, it's, you know. It's almost like motherfuckers don't want to give up that change of guard, and uh, I think we're dealing with that as well. You still got people still holding on to this marching and all that shit. That shit has already proved to be a failure. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, and then a lot of these strategies, again, things given to you by your enemy for to tell you how to get free. You know what I'm saying? Nonviolence. Every time some shit goes down where there's a shooting or something, well, we need to do this peacefully. You know what I'm saying? And that, that that right there, that burns me up when I hear that shit. Motherfuckers can mow you down violently, but we always supposed to react. Our reaction is supposed to be nonviolent. You know what I'm saying? Which would be illogical. That's a that's a person who would be insane if a motherfucker's whooping your ass and you telling me, well, don't whoop his ass back. Just you know, ask him. You know. Petition him to to change his ways or her ways, shit like that. Then at that point, that individual becomes your enemy. When a motherfucker tells you, "Don't defend yourself," you know what I'm saying. Uh, right, let, let's petition, let's write a complaint up. Those people become your enemy, whether they know it or not, directly or indirectly. Those individuals become your enemy. Those are enemies of progress. And not only that, when you start busting heads, them niggas is gonna start telling. They're going to be the ones to be like, well, he's over here. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I don't know why he's doing this. And those are going to be the informants coming in, you know, infiltrating the movement, trying to find out what's this, what's that. And even niggas busting heads. You know, the white man's so fucking... <laughs> he gets niggas caught up with cases and shit. Niggas be trying to be the case, snitching on his peoples and shit. You know what I'm saying? Only to still end up in chains, you know what I mean? Still end up fucked up. So, I mean, there's so many angles this, this, this beast be playing us on, man. You really got to have a thorough uh, understanding of the elements of, and, and the rules of engagement, the styles of fucking military uh, uh, approaches that he used, man. Really like a, And it's really simple for real. It's really simple. Um, I forget who said, oh, that was... That was um, that was uh, Barashango. He said what well, he said something about dialectical opposites. What's bad for us is good for them, and what's good for them is bad for us. If you just look at it just like that, you'll know which way to rock out every fucking time. From my position. I say. So when you're seeing shit like the Nat Turner movie coming out, big screen, Fox Fox financed it, nigga. If that shit was good for us, that would be bad for them. So if they was able to put that out, you're supposed to already know that that shit is not something that's supposed to be any type of liberation tool. Like it's not something that's going to work in our favor. And I'm just using that as one small example. But, I mean, 
and you see these major little, you know, putting all this propaganda and shit out. If it was something that was supposed to do black folks any good, it, it can't be. They're not going to do it. We might do it. They're not going to finance that and, and, and back that. If it was truly going to be a tool of liberation, it's, it, they're not going to do it. That would be idiotic. If I was them, I wouldn't fucking do it. I mean, that would be fucking really retarded. I don't, I'm not mad at, like you would say, I'm not mad at the white man for the shit he doing. This nigga trying to hold on to his little power and resources and shit. He doing what the fuck he supposed to be doing. We just supposed to be doing what the fuck we supposed to be doing. And if what we doing is something he can agree with, we doing the wrong shit. Then, like, I don't know, a lot of times, so I'm about to wind it down, though, so I don't want to be hogging this shit, but, you know, a lot of people be like, well, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? What organizations are you putting together? This and that, like, man, one simple thing you can do is just exposing bullshit when you see it, like, just speaking straight truth when you see some bullshit popping. You know what I'm saying? That right there is just a simple uh, remedy for some of the shit that's going on. A lot of times, motherfuckers just don't even address, they don't be addressing shit. Talking to the youth about the real deal, talking to your peoples about the real deal, or just, you know, kicking the, kicking the real. Just keeping 100 when you out and about on your daily routine, nigga. That's, that's a form of revolution right there. You know what I'm saying? To me, that's, that's straight up. You can't, everybody can't be no you know, head of an organization or, or whatnot, but you can drop, you can keep it real 100 you know, all the time. It's not hard to do that as far as, you know, <laughs> making your contribution on that note. You ain't gonna be a popular nigga, but, you know, niggas gonna be, the niggas who fuck with you after you keep it 100, them is the motherfuckers that you know that you really can low-key, you know, you, you might be able to build some type of alliance with, but niggas you gotta kind of kick fuckery with in order to keep them around or you don't want to piss this person off or that person off. Them is not people you're supposed to be really breaking bread with from from my point of view, I'm like, fuck, if I can't keep it real with you, I really ain't got no need to fuck with you. Because you're going to, you know, people like that be stunting your growth. You got to be with real motherfuckers who going to be like, nigga, you on some fuck shit right now, nigga. And then if it is what it is, at the end of the, you know, at the end of the shit, nigga, you're supposed to step your game up like you right. Appreciate that. Black Power. What y'all think of what else y'all thought about the lecture, family? Y'all talking about what? So I just kind of came in. I'm trying to catch up. No doubt. Brother Bourne just played Malcolm at Berkeley. 
And he just uh, uh-huh. he's just, he's kind of summing it up, you know what I'm saying? Or if you got something else you, you touch it, you want to touch on whatever. But yeah, he just played that left shift from Berkeley. It was pretty heavy. Oh, okay, now I wasn't in here for that. No doubt. Black power to you, know, sister. Black power? Yes, I don't really remember, but um, I know this past week it's just been like some. To me, some just say some ignorant shit week. Because I've been motherfucking arguing with motherfuckers all week. I say I don't want to argue with nobody else for the rest of the damn week. That's where it's to the point where I'm tired of, you know what I'm saying, arguing over just, you know what I'm saying, it's just sad. Like the last of the old beef came from, um, I don't really know when this happened, but the, um, the caption on the video read, last one of the oldest tribes in Africa um, accepted Jesus Christ after the first time they heard about it. And then in the video, they was um, baptizing the Africans from the, from the pygmy tribe. So, you know, I just went insane. After seeing that shit, you know what I'm saying. I went on the war path. I, you know, um, I cussed at the motherfuckers at the Channel Five News, all kind of shit. Black so, power, queen. Black power. <laughs> so one uh, African. I don't. I'm not for sure if he still lives on the continent. No, no, he don't live on the continent. I don't know if he's from Africa or not. But do you know this motherfucker said he blamed us, the Africans in America? He blamed us because we should, um, since we know the white man well, that we should be uh, warning the other Africans about it. And, you know, it was some crazy, it was just some crazy shit. That we that we need to exercise our vote to um I guess to make sure stuff like that don't happen. Who is that? I this week, this week is just you know ignorant ass week. Cause I've seen some crazy shit about we don't need to be revolutionaries no more. I've just been saying crazy shit all week. I said, this week I'm not arguing. I'm going to stop arguing with people. You see that Killer Mike interview when he was on The View? Mm-mm. So I'm glad I didn't see that. Let it add on. See that in the straw? The email shit of the week. Brother Moore played the clip on it. He was on there talking some old... What do you say, brother boy? Billy Mike. Yeah, killer sight. <laughs> what do you say, fam? I can't remember foot pound for pound. This nigga don't went to the view. Yeah, that's why I was saying. I don't even know how the fuck you get on that shit. You got to be super, super sold out. 
They like that part when he was talking about that we don't need to fight back. Yeah. I guess he had said something about, uh, what did he say? Basically, he don't want no, any rights that got to be given to him unless they're given everybody. He don't want it. So he don't want no black rights. Unless the fags can get some, the, the, the motherfucking Mexicans can get them. When everybody can get them, that's when he want them. But if he, if everybody can't get them, we don't, he don't want them. He don't want no rights for just blacks. Silly Mike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Silly Mike. The ignorant. Yeah, he lost me at that. Um, what was that? The A B N or something conference? A N something. He lost me, girl. You know what? That whole ass shit he stood up and said. But um, I had some more news that I seen this week. I wish I knew when that happened though with the with the pygmy trial. I'm thinking there had to be something new that they sent in because it was at the top of the the news um deal, like the last story that they posted. Um, trying to think what else I've seen. So that that was recently. That was like what, like yesterday or something? Something happened last few days. Yeah, I, when I seen it, it was from yesterday. Okay, so you said the pygmy. I think Doctor Ben said they, the actual name is the twa and shit. The whiteies call them pygmy, but the actual yeah. name is the twa. Mhm. So they yeah. some house nigga then went in there and then translated for these crackers to be able to tell them that Jesus is the real Lord and Savior, some shit, because they don't speak the language, so somebody had to translate that shit. So mm-hmm. I digits, one of our own peoples went up in there. I wish I could remember. I'm not looking at it now. Okay. It's been something about, hold up, I'm going to go to it. Give me a second. Because right. I, need, I need to read what's on the inside of the, the little uh, quotation. No doubt. What you think about that uh, speech, Sister Camille? Your Malcolm was dropping. Anything stick out to you that he spoke on? Everybody quiet tonight. What about you, bro, boy? What you hear in that speech that stuck out to you when Malcolm was dropping? Because uh, I was up in her halfway sleep before I called. Okay, it says, it was the first time anyone had ever told us about Jesus. We were servants of the devil. But then we heard Christ die for our sins, and that changed our lives. This was posted October 20th at 4 p.m. What's the uh, link on that? The Bawa Pygmy Tribe of Uganda. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And so they got the damn cracker, and I guess the sellout baptizing our people in some war. And Uganda's brick of it. They did it for me. But, you know, for me, sister, show that uh, the enemy don't stop. They don't stop pushing their bullshit. They keep it going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Queen. I'm, I'm done, sis. Mm-hmm. This Camille, which with anything stick out to you on that Malcolm joint? Say that again. I said anything stick out to you on that Malcolm speech on that Malcolm speech at Berkeley. Uh the question would be what didn't in all honesty. No doubt. You know. I think when yeah. he um broke down the political state, the reality that there is no difference between what is being called a white liberal and a white conservative. They're mm-hmm. all one and the same. Just, you know, each one presents a different face. But it's the same face, you know what I mean? It's the same person, but one has a smile or the other one has a, a frown, you know? So... Mm-hmm. That's the shit that um, we have yet to realize, um, you know, they using, they have um, used our people um, as uh, less than, they have treated our people as less than human beings. There is no difference between uh, the Cracker Beast um, down north, the Mason-Dixon line, Versus up south, the Mason-Dixon line. Mm-hmm. So that was um, real. Um, the thing that it shows you the the time period too. Um, when he said, when he was saying how um, for our enemy to give us um, our own land, you know, and things of that nature when the reality is that they're never going to give us anything. Mm-hmm. Again, that video that Brother Bourne posted shows that, I mean, the, how they just keep, you know, disrespecting us to the fullest. I didn't even know that they had given the Japanese that they had in the concentration camps uh, $12 billion and then allowed that money to pass on to their later generations. I was not aware that it was even that much mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, me neither. I knew they okay. had gave them some. I know 12, they gave them 12 billion. That's what I could have sworn I heard the uh, brother say in the video. Mm-hmm. I always thought it was a million. I didn't know it was a billion. Mm-hmm. And that it was passed on 
to the generations later. Now, now when you hear that, you know how Japan became a superpower. And talking about all this technological age, them niggas had bread to work with. Plus how this government sent their top scientists and heads of industry there to help mm-hmm. them, you know, after the war. Mm-hmm. You know, because of the bombs and shit. But it's deep. It's deep. And so, you know, that this, you know, when he said, um, in other words, ask for the asking them to let us, they're not going to let us have anything. We got to take it straight up. Um, that's the real reality, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, if fans about the battle. What about when he made that comment about Dick, Dick Gregory? And Lena Horn. Right on target. I say. You know, um, it's his comment too that I think um where the which I really feel like was a trade at the end of the day, um, Eldridge Cleaver and his soul on ice because he was uh um a, a serious serious uh, Malcolm um had, you know, Malcolm influenced her. Malcolm um, was the reason um, who had the most sway over him when um, in the nation, even though he was in prison. He was like the head of uh, the nation or some shit in Cali or the prison system or whatever. I, you know, I don't know verbatim. Sorry that I can't give it to you verbatim right now. But um, he said the same thing. And, and being there, you know, what I what I like about this book, um, not the shit with the cracker beast bitch in it, because again, it shows you his mindset and the foul shit of raping, um, black women, African queens and shit, um, but being there at the same time that Malcolm is there, being alive, being an adult when he's murdered and seeing his viewpoint, you know, he mentions the same thing about these entertainers that you hear Malcolm say, so you know that he's really regurgitating what he heard Malcolm say while he was alive, while Malcolm was dropping that information. Mm -hmm. I don't know how we uphold And this is going to be hard for me, you know. And it may be my ignorance while I'm about to say this. So please forgive me if it is due to my ignorance. But I don't know how we uphold like W.E. Du Bois. Mm -hmm. How do we reconcile uh, his wonderful writings about the mental state of our people, like the souls of black folks, you know what I'm saying? Um, how does how do how does all of that outweigh what he did working with our enemy to take down the great African warrior Marcus Garvey or Philip Randolph? How does that work itself out? Black power. 
funny you said that, sis, because I was talking to Brother Bourne about that shit like last week, man. I said, I don't give a fuck what that nigga did after. He sabotaged the greatest fucking, you know, one of the greatest you know, hopes for our people. So fuck with he. I, I don't think Baba uh, Clark knew what he did on a spy tip before he, he, he made his transition. Because what Coakley revealed at a later date, you know what I'm saying, uh, kind of gave me a little more insight on uh, W.E.B. Du Bois because I never really studied studied. He never felt like he was really worth studying. But, uh, yeah, you right. I don't know if, uh, Doctor, I can't speak for the great ancestor, Doctor. Mm-hmm. I don't know um, what he knew in those. I would think that he would, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Um, and I'm not, and, and you know, um, since you brought him up, because I've heard, like, um, the great ancestors speak on, for example, um, Frederick Douglass, you know, um, and Booker T. Washington. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, some of the things, like he's coming from a standpoint of playing, pointing out oh. the good for the most part and some of the bad in some of the cases. I guess it depends on whose writings also had the most influence on him at the end of the day. He is, a you know, an African man. A African person, as you are, as I'm an African woman, you know what I'm saying. So, understanding that um, the way somebody's writings can move you sometimes can also affect, you know, your opinion of their contribution as a whole. And I'm not even, you know, saying one way or the other when I put that out. I'm really throwing that out there. Uh, for it to be weighed by others, because I I really don't know. You know, it is a it's a dilemma. You know, um, it's a dilemma. You know, you take the same thing when you hear people speak positively about Elijah Muhammad, for example. How do you how do you weigh that against the great ancestor Malcolm X? How do you do it? Should it be done? Mm-mm. There's, there's no comparison. Okay. What, what you what you mean, brother? Boy, I think you like trying to compare them two together. Their contribution. Yeah, they could like um. They was on two different missions. One was on a religious mission, the other one was on a social mission. Uh huh. So even but though their missions were similar, they still had two different agendas. So you could you compare them, but they was they was on two different missions. Now, I don't mean to no, compare think, them. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about to compare their acts of betrayal against mm-hmm. a great African warrior. You know, mm-hmm. you hear people speak positively about 
Elijah Muhammad's contributions. Mm-hmm. And you hear people speak positively about W.E. Du Bois' contributions. All those things, should those things be weighed against real betrayal against, you know, a uh, uh, special, or you think of Brother Minkara, charismatic African warriors. Mm-hmm. Personally, I think that Trump. I think it trumps it. Whatever they did, Trump. You know what I'm saying? I think their betrayal trumps. You know what I'm saying? Their contribution. Because when you look at what they, the people that they, fuck even. I ain't gonna even say. When you betrayed your race, man, for you to come back around and be like, well, okay, well, I see I did that wrong. Now I want to try to, you know, make a wrong right. I mean, you fuck the nigga like Garvey out of the game, bro. You know what I'm saying? You fuck somebody like Harriet Tubman out of the game, like when she was doing what she's doing, I'm supposed to look at you now and be like, okay, well, I can see at least why he got himself together or she got herself together and now they trying to, like, nah, betrayal, like treason. See, that's funny because when we talk about this now, a lot of times in the white race, treason is punishable by death. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, shit, we got to start having those those uh, standards, those criteria. Like, nigga, just like back in the day, nigga, you snitch. Snitches in the ditches, you know what I'm saying? And that was it was a clear cut. This is what kept motherfuckers from even thinking about taking those avenues where they would sell the crew out. So from my position, ah, the nigga got to go. Mm-hmm. I feel where you coming from. And then what, God, what, what, what the fuck uh, Elijah was doing is not new. He was just pretty much a, a, a prototype of what Barbie did. He was a, a mini, he was started a mini fucking UNIA. You just used Islam to, as, your, as your religious framework for your, your organization. But he wasn't doing no new shit. Had Barbie not been fucking set up and infiltrated, who knows where the fuck we would be at right now. Had Malcolm still been alive and not set up, who knows where that would have put us. And you just can kind of have a small uh, um, idea just by the, looking at what was done while they were still here in, in a, a dynamic where they were able to have an impact on the race. Like when they were still here, eight feet on the ground in the trench, look what they was doing. Now, if you allow, give that another 15, 20, 30 years, what would that have parlayed into? I mean, you can't even really, you can't even really put no limit on it. Definitely agree with that. You know, I had seen this. I watched that video um, on the Canadian system. And what I was I found fascinating when he was asking him about black leadership, you know, when Canadian sister said it was only one um, who he would consider, you know, um, not a a a a crony, for lack of a better word, working for the Cracker, would be mm-hmm. Adam Clayton Power Jr., right? Mm-hmm. And he, it was interesting how the Cracker then, 
if I remember right who this was, it was a crack in a, 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 a coon that was together on this. And they didn't, he then asked him, well, he tried to flip the script and said, well, you have basically black traders doing the work, black politicians doing the work for the white racist establishment. And it was fascinating the way he um, revealed that, thinking that he was getting back at the great ancestor Malcolm. And so you get to see how um, the great ancestor um, really um, thought on a high strategic uh, intellectual level. You know what I'm saying? That he by speaking frank and honest and from an African-centered perspective to white racist supremacy, it forced that supremacy to tell the truth on itself, to acknowledge that it has cracker or uh, uh, has coon politicians, that it makes sure they're elected doing the bidding, keeping white supremacy going. So that was dope that that came out like that. Talking about an interview at Berkeley. I say, mm-hmm. what we just heard. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, that's a powerful piece right there. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Brother B? No, no, that's what I was saying. Listen. You heard him. Now, go ahead. What you saying? Uh, oh, he's saying I'm kicking back right now. Did you hear some uh, pieces in that lecture that, 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 that kind of caught you? Kind of caught you? That stood out on you, Sister McKee, but Sister McKee was like the whole joint really was impeccable, which I agree on. Did you hear some pieces in there that? Yeah, like um, it, y'all covered so much of it in the last couple of minutes, but then the whole thing was uh, uh it was, it was definitely very impressive. But you know, um, let me see, let me see what what stood out the most. Now, I just, um, what stood out to me the most was the interaction between the two people who was doing the questioning and the interactions. That's what I just, I just was watching the interaction. Mm-hmm. He let the black dude get the first question in, set the, set the questions off. Um, you know, just the, the way that he was, that they passed. They both had a list of questions, like you said, but they both was questions from the white people. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's funny you saying that because the white boy was asking the questions in the manner of trying to set bait him and set him up and shit. And the brother was throwing any questions or some alley-oop shit like, man, show these crackers what the fuck what the real deal is and shit. <laughs> I didn't get that from him. Who, who's that? Uh, that brother, uh, the coon, 
I didn't get that from him. No, I, I recall this. I've seen this a few times. Mm-hmm. That's why I had asked, was it with the cracker? Because that, um, the thing where they have revealed, he had revealed how they have uh, black politicians. They make sure that they're elected in their pocket doing their business stood out. Because I didn't get that uh, from, um, that's why I called him a coon. I didn't get yeah. him. Who, who was that brother? Don't know. I don't recall. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they did the introduction. I never made it a point of it standing out. Maybe I will next time I listen to it. Mm-hmm. I do not recall that. Something, Hank. He, they, they was working together. It seemed like to me. Mm. Shay. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But see, I, I, that's what really, uh, I really was there. That's what stood out to me the most, I'm going to tell you. It just that right that. Um, you know, he was right on point. And informational-wise, those brothers was on point. Um, yeah, I picked that out. Uh, uh, I got to check out. I got to check that shit out again. I really didn't, you know what I'm saying? Not that I don't think that he was, but I really wasn't peeping it out to the point where I felt like that's what it was going down. So I got to really check that shit out again. I thought uh-huh. Malcolm had him there to kind of give him a construct on I'm saying to kind of keep this shit in the framework where Malcolm stayed on point with what he was trying to, the issues he was trying to really address. So I got to really check it out because I really didn't think it. I haven't seen that in a minute. I'm going Mm -hmm. to rewatch it, but I recall passive-aggressive behavior. I Mm -hmm. was disgusted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to rewatch it. I'm going to rewatch it. You know what I'm saying? Mm Mm-hmm. Somebody put it in the hangout, but um, right now, you know, somebody put it in the hangout, but shit, we're about to go to the end of the show right now. We're about to go ahead and, and set it off for the night. I'm going to throw it in there. I got that in the playlist. All right, all right. Well, we're going to put that in the playlist. Well, family, you know, we're coming to the end of the show. Uh, it's been a nice ride tonight. Doubled a lot of different things. And at the end of this night, we doubled our brothers, the big brother, the shiny prince, Malcolm. Wow. And, uh, but uh, with that being said, though, you know, we definitely like to thank everybody for coming out tonight. On Fit on the Ground Radio, it's been a nice night. Everybody done got it in right. We thank all the listeners for listening in. Tune in and chime in when you get a chance. We'll be back Thursday. That'll be uh, 10 Eastern, 7 on the west side, the best side. Y'all line up in between. You know what it is. You know how we do. We're going to go out. We come in with a praise and I turn the glory to God, we love the spirit of Dr. Khaled Abdul Muhammad. Praise Harriet Tubman, glory to God, be well, and long live the spirit of Sister Fanny Lou Raymond. A beautiful holy day. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.